you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Tuesday, November 14. Peter Costello, the former treasurer who told Australians to have more kids to boost the population, says migrants are causing our housing affordability crisis and driving rents through the roof. That comes after ANZ bank boss Shane Elliott, fresh from a $7 billion profit, said home ownership has become the preserve of the rich. Five days after a catastrophic outage, Optus finally says it knows what went wrong. A routine software upgrade crashed its routers. That's cold comfort for the 10 million Australian customers and businesses who lost a day's communications. Optus is giving customers free data to make up for the mistake. 16 public servants are being investigated and there'll be an overhaul of how debts are handled. That's the government response to the RoboDebt Royal Commission. It should be a sweet win for the PM, but he's stuck in the mud on a bunch of domestic political issues. In today's episode, why Albo has the midterm blues. The Liberal Party's robo-debt scheme was not an innocent mistake. This was a deliberate, calculated scheme, and it made many people feel like criminals. Attorney-General Mark Dreyfus is speaking about the findings by a Royal Commission into a controversial debt recovery program introduced by the former government. Government Services Minister Bill Shorten was equally damning. The robo-debt was a cruel and crude mechanism It was neither fair nor legal. It treated everyday Australians as criminals, guilty till proven innocent. It should have been a slam dunk for the current Labor government. But come question time, just a couple of hours later, robo-debt was barely a blip. And nor were the Prime Minister's recent trips to China or the US. The government didn't even take a moment to brag about its decision to bring Tuvalu's climate refugees to Australia. Why not? Because the PM's spent most of his time globetrotting and he knows it's a political dead weight. It is clear that Anthony Albanese can see the damage all of these overseas trips are doing to his image as well as his concentration on the voice and the failed referendum. The opposition is now saying he's distracted, he's spending too much time overseas. And it is clear he thinks the same thing himself. Dennis Shanahan is The Australian's national editor. After he had travelled to the United States and met the US president, travelled to China and met the Chinese president, travelled to the Cook Islands and signed what he said was the most significant event in Pacific relations since the independence of Papua New Guinea, Australia will offer sanctuary to residents of the tiny flood-prone nation of Tuvalu as part of a landmark deal announced at the Pacific Islands Forum. The treaty also gives Australia the power to veto any security or military deal between Tuvalu and any other nation. What happened? He didn't speak about it until the last question in question time. Number 18, 
in all the questions was the first to raise China. Thank you, Speaker. My question is to the Prime Minister. Following the Prime Minister's visit to China and attendance at the Pacific Islands Forum... It meant he didn't have much to tell, and what he has got to tell is not popular with the public. There were some genuine achievements, though, Dennis, on that trip to China, weren't there? The government secured the release of Chung Lei, and before the trip, China announced it was winding back its tariffs on wine and barley with hints of more to come. Isn't that a good story to tell? It is a good story to tell. And the fact that the Prime Minister was going to China, first Prime Ministerial visit in seven years. So this was a very important trip as far as the relations went. As far as what he actually achieved, most of it was actually done before it left, including the Australian government deciding not to foreclose on the port of Darwin, leased to China. So what it meant was that the optics were not of him being able to point and saying, here's great Australian jobs or this is a great agreement, but just basically reenacting Gough Whitlam's trip and being seen to be with the president standing next to the Great Wall of China. Very symbolic, but unpopular back at home. And is the distraction at home basically boiling down to cost of living? Is that why nobody is really that interested in any achievements beyond our borders? Precisely. The distraction for the government has been the Indigenous voice to Parliament referendum. And the public has said, all you're doing is looking at that. And in fact, that is true. They've developed a series of laws and so forth. We're at the halfway point in the electoral cycle and the government doesn't have an agenda for the next 12 months. All we're seeing is a reaction to cost of living. That's all people want to see. We've seen poll after poll come out and saying people are concerned about the cost of living. They think the economy is getting worse. They can't afford food, petrol. The government's getting questions about the cost of living and they're unable to answer. We've just had the interest rate rise last week. And where's the treasurer? He's in San Francisco. He couldn't even talk about the interest rate rise. And certainly the prime minister didn't want to talk about it. So yes, cost of living remains the top of mind for everyone. It is a bad time going into the Christmas break with the potential for more interest rate rises, either in December or February. The Australian's news poll showed just recently that most voters do want some sort of cash handout. They want relief for their energy bills. That's a jam for the government, isn't it? Because they've simultaneously got the Reserve Bank governor telling them not to overspend. The IMF saying that spending on infrastructure is actually fueling inflation. We've got the Reserve Bank saying spending is fueling inflation. And what they're saying is, oh, the government's response is on cost of living. We're supplying the help where it's needed most, which is true. The majority of people who are feeling the squeeze aren't on welfare payments. They're not on government payments. And while they're in work for the moment, their real wages are not rising. Inflation is going through the roof, particularly energy, petrol prices, and the government can't spend. I mean, the previous government removed the petrol price excise for about six months and it cost $6 billion. (laughs) There's no way the government can do that and they still say they're fighting inflation. So whichever way you look at it, the government is in a bind on cost of living and fighting inflation. 
It seems, Dennis, as though Anthony Albanese might have dodged a bit of public opprobrium over the voice referendum. Do you think that the response to that has been muted, that it would be different for him in the polls and in public now if the invasion of Israel by Hamas had not happened? I think that that's probably true. The Hamas attack certainly drew away all the public focus, all the media focus, and while it is clear the referendum defeat had a real negative impact on Anthony Albanese. You could see it that first week after the referendum in Parliament. He was shaken. Psychologically, he was almost in grief, and his performance has been poor ever since. So there is no doubt about the distraction of the distraction of the Middle East, but it's also had its own heritage. There's now a new focus on a new failure And that is how to handle the Israeli-Palestinian question, which has all sorts of problems for Labor, both internationally and domestically. Anthony Albanese and Penny Wong are now facing daily questions on what he's doing about Australia's relationship with Israel, Australia's support for Palestine, and what he's doing domestically about social cohesion and anti-Semitism, which is growing by the day And Labor's confusion on both these issues is not helping in the least. Coming up, as the Greens back in Palestine and the coalition stands by Israel, Labor is stuck on how to respond to the biggest issue in world affairs. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts. Dennis, support for Palestine is a real totemic issue for the left of the Labor Party, of which, of course, Anthony Albanese and Penny Wong are members. Even as recently as National Conference this year, they were arguing about whether to recognise Palestine as a state. How do you think they're actually feeling about this issue as they try to tiptoe through the minefield of language about what to say? Well, what they're saying is that they can't come out and just say, yes, we're in favour of Israel because of all of the Labor seats in trouble. We've had senior ministers allowing this slur of genocide to be applied to Israel, actually claiming war crimes and even Penny Wong on the weekend, now calling for a ceasefire, which is completely against what Israel can and will accept. And at the same time, there is not a definite unequivocal rejection of anti-Semitism. Everything is being qualified by saying, oh, well, we don't want Islamophobia as well, which is perfectly true. But at the moment, there aren't people trying to storm mosques in Lakemba while there are people protesting violently and viciously outside a synagogue, which had to be evacuated in Caulfield in Melbourne. That issue about the language that Penny Wong used on Sunday, as you said, Dennis, she described it as taking steps towards ceasefire. 
What I would say is we all want to take the next steps towards a ceasefire, but it cannot be one-sided. Hamas still holds hostages, Hamas is still attacking Israel. How Israel defends itself matters. And when we affirm Israel's right to defend itself, what we have also saying is Israel must comply and observe international humanitarian law. And international humanitarian law is very clear about the principles that need to be applied by Israel. They are distinction, they are precaution, and they are proportionality. In Question Time on Monday, Anthony Albanese was asked about it and he vehemently denied that this meant that she was actually calling for a ceasefire. The transcript of yesterday's interview showed that she did not say that. What the Foreign Minister spoke about was perfectly consistent with the motion that was moved in this parliament that was supported by the opposition on the floor of this parliament, that indeed we continue to support. I think it provides a principal way of moving forward. So what happened there, do you think? Did Penny Wong overspeak? It's difficult because it is confusing about what the government actually wants. Now, it is clear that Anthony Albanese's response in Parliament on Monday was a different focus, a different emphasis to that which Penny Wong applied in her weekend interview on Sunday. And there is no doubt that the terrorist organisation Hamas, they do borrow in civilian infrastructure. We understand that. But that does not obviate the requirement to observe international law. And I think that the fact is many friends of Israel around the world and in Australia would be saying, you know, we want civilians, hospitals to be protected and we would urge Israel to do so. Anthony Albanese doesn't want to be seen to be completely contradicting the Australian position on Israel. By the same token, he doesn't want to be seen to be criticising Penny Wong or antagonising all of those Islamic voters in key Labor seats, particularly in Western Sydney. The two big pieces of legislation on the slate at the moment are the industrial relations reforms, which the government is trying to get through after many rounds of negotiations and amendments, and the disinformation and misinformation bill. Where are we at on both of those? The industrial relations laws are being debated in the Senate and in the House now. The minor parties and the coalition have split the bill. This is a big setback for the government. It's now being cut up into little pieces. And so it's being delayed. Tony Burke in Parliament on Monday was fulminating against the coalition and the independents about them trying to deny people decent wages and so on. This is the second tranche of changes which business and industry really oppose and which they say will cost too much and add to inflation. So this is now running into real difficulty. So again, the only agenda the government has going into next year is a negative agenda on industrial relations. On misinformation and disinformation, again, they're backtracking. They're under pressure from all sorts of people, including progressives. And so they are on the back foot on their major legislation going through. And so what we have is an end of year at the halfway mark of the first Albanese government, and they are in a bad position politically, a bad position internally on all sorts of issues, and publicly, they don't have a positive agenda to go forward to next year. So what are we calling it? The midterm blues? Midterm blues, absolutely. It's not the end. 
But if the blues get any darker, it will be real trouble for Anthony Albanese. Dennis Shanahan is the Australian's national editor. If you're an Optus survivor, find out whether you're owed compensation and how to get it at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman, her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.